0: Are listening to the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Enjoy the show.
1: (laughs) Hey, folks, Justin here with a quick word before we dive in. First off, I want to say thank you to the Legacy of Kain community for their response to the promos for this episode and also let you guys know that your questions were heard and not ignored. However, this was our second time chatting with Michael and Simon and a lot of the questions were centered around the games, the characters of Kain and Raziel, and what have you. Well, we already knew that Michael and Simon were not familiar with the games, characters, etc. and have no knowledge on the status of the series. But if you'd like to hear them talk a bit more about the games, I'd recommend listening to our previous chats first. Now, this episode does feature myself, Daniel, and Marcus, sort of. I think you'll find us spectating and listening to Michael and Simon just like you guys are about to. So if you're interested in hearing Raziel and Kane shoot the shit, then here you go. And if you feel so inclined, maybe leave us a decent review somewhere, wherever you're listening to this.
0: I must say I'm disappointed in your progress. I imagined you'd be here sooner. Tell me, did it trouble you to murder your brothers? Did it trouble you when you ordered me into the Abyss? (laughs) Eternity is relentless, Raziel. When I first stole into this chamber centuries ago, I did not fathom the true power of knowledge. To know the future, Raziel. To see its paths and streams tracing out into the infinite. As a man, I could never contain such forbidden truths. But each of us is so much more than we once were. Do you not feel with all your soul how we have become like gods? As such, are we not indivisible? As long as a single one of us stands, we are legion. Our futures are predestined. Mobius foretold mine. Eons again. We each play out the parts. Fate has written for us. Free will is an illusion. I found the tomb of Saraphan, Cain. How could you profane a priest by turning him into a vampire? How could I not? One must keep his friends close, Raziel
2: How is your con circuit going mike i mean have you been
3: okay yeah we haven't started anything this year but i'm going in may to tidewater Virginia beach and then i'm off to augusta georgia and then i'm when uh, oh golly in uh, in august
2: is that joe fest augusta georgia you are 15 minutes from where i live
1: yeah we live in augusta. I mean, if
2: you're coming to augusta like i yeah. can be there in 15 minutes and i was just wondering if that was joe fest if that's the one you were at or so, if it was some other one
3: no it's joe fest i'm sure it is yeah
2: dude that is awesome i'll probably see you then yeah, no drip dude,
3: <laughs> i'm up to the booth I've, I've seen my x-rays i think i'll make it
2: <laughs> yeah, the uh yeah road trip all 15 minutes
3: simon you with us again i think so can you hear me yes okay. I can hear you. You're good. You're doing excellent. Good. Anyway, as good. I was saying that that, uh, I'm, you know, I'll be popping through all these different cons this year and willing to take a chance and hey, it's it's money found. It's really good. I, I'm not like you. You're still doing on camera. You know, they still want to see your face. I don't do that much. I'm basically just doing voices and, uh, you know, what do they have you do, Michael? They just have me meet people. I shake hands. I say hi. They want to pose for pictures it costs them a certain amount of money they want to uh, shake my hand uh, they want to come up to my room it's an extra hundred dollars
4: uh, right right <laughs> gonna say
3: it's, they're really cool they're, they're nice everybody's really nice they're really charming oh it's nice and they're they gr- treat you nicely oh yeah and my guys who who are the, my developers the guys who send me out they just cater they're so great there's people there to greet you they meet you you get your best hotel room you get you get uh, sometimes you if you ask for a guarantee they'll give you a guarantee if you don't want a guarantee they you, you know you don't get one generally oh. you're i mean people are always saying to me have you ever seen simon because i get a lot of people from uh, from defiance oh right right i say no i it's very rare that i go to the clinic or to rehab but you know um he's uh he's busy he's a busy guy what can i tell you I said, Oh, when is he going to come into i don't know when he's going to be at these i can't answer for simon i don't so i'm just letting you know that there is an interest out there in seeing we him. could do it like we could do like a two for special yeah i was thinking i was thinking yeah. It was for, yeah defiance you know they're back again for the for the third time <laughs>
2: i will say that would be a big ticket that'd be a draw like seriously yeah could, you could do a panel at a convention dragon con just like one of the larger cons oh yeah that'd be a good draw like yeah. i pretty much tell you simon that would be like worth your time yeah.
5: and I, right. I i can confirm i can confirm that as well with daniel <laughs> oh, <laughs> you,
4: that's might be nice. sitting,
5: you might be sitting yeah. in a chair for about eight hours
4: <laughs> oh that sounds nice do you get asked lots of like detailed questions about your character motivation? Yeah, so how to play the game? Dude, <laughs> no, no. So how, what do you? What? Hey. Oh no, no, because I,
3: I, I couldn't play the game. Amy Hennig gave me the game. She gave me a PlayStation. She said, "I want you to look at the stuff that you've done." I couldn't. <laughs> I sat there. I don't know about you, but I'm doing this thing like oh this, no, no, no. And I'm doing this, and I'm doing this, and my daughter came into the room at that point. This was fresh. And she said, what are you doing, Dad? I said, well, I'm trying to get my character on this cliff. He's on a cliff, and it's like a second ledge. And she said, well, how long have you been working at this? Well, a couple of minutes. She said, Dad, you've been here for four hours. I said, I'm not even in the game. So I packed it up. I gave it to some kid. I said, here's the PlayStation. Here's the game. And years later, because it's on YouTube, I'm now able to see what and you and I and the rest of the cast did. Because I finally can you know, physically see it.
1: Simon, like have you watched much of it?
4: You know, I haven't really. I mean, I, I sometimes see stuff on, on YouTube, you know, because I, I frequently just Google Simon Templeman just to get my, you know, my, my counts up, you know, to like 300. <laughs> and, um, and then it, it shows up the Blood Omen stuff, you know. So I, I, I get it second hand, which is always interesting.
3: Simon, I got to tell you, you are so good in that.
4: It, it
3: well, was, right back at you, Raziel. No, no, no you really were good. I am I was dancing as fast as I could. But they keep saying, are you bringing, Are you coming back? I, Will they do the game again? I said, no, I may play his dad if they bring him back, or his grandfather, or his ghost. I'm certainly not going to do Raziel again. But you could do Kane again, more than likely, because your voice still sounds the same. I'm a little... Uh, I'm a little rough around the edges. My
4: voice is- I don't think so. I think you're a, a protean talent, Michael. You know, <laughs> so I think there's,
2: many, there's- I want That is a sound clip as like an audio business card just to have Simon tell me that I am a protean talent. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: is though,
1: isn't he? He can do it all. agree, agree. You
4: can. But I've been
3: waiting for those important parts of my body to drop and they never will. uh, i kind of feel this is it i'm now i'm not going to sound like mel torme for the rest of
2: my life (laughs) yeah but to your credit you have (laughs) indelibly stamped your voice into my childhood okay so there is a generation of us out of us kids out there who michael bell's voice. even if you don't know the name you know the voice and you can just look at the CVS receipt of those credits. So, yeah, I mean, whatever parts dropped or didn't drop doesn't matter. <laughs> you are a multitude of the voices of my childhood. It's
3: makes it very difficult to make an obscene phone call. Because mm-hmm. everyone knows it's me. <laughs> oh, it's Michael Bell. I go, hey, what are you doing?
0: I go, I go, I go oh, oh, please.
2: Hi, Mom, there's a Smurf making lewd jokes to me on the phone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we played enough. Goodbye. Uh, so, so you <laughs> questions now,
1: right? <laughs> hey, this is, this I, is the interview. Yeah, this is it.
4: <laughs> this is, that
3: was it. Okay. So, Simon, do I, I think about it?
1: All right, I will. I, so I will. Bucks, you know,
3: it, you know, a couple thousand is nice. Doesn't hurt to make four or five thousand dollars. It's kind of good. An actress just recently got up there. She made eighty thousand dollars, and I said, I hardly know who she is. People must be desperate.
2: <laughs> wow, good for her three days absolutely yeah. depends on the movie depends on the gimmick you know i mean it, it, yeah. all these other factors and forces behind it but then some people like regulars well if, if you hadn't have said anything i could have told you Oppenheimer. Alex. he yeah he's like at all the conventions all the time so apparently yeah. he does pretty good <laughs> he's always got a long line at his booth and stuff so i mean <laughs> i know, you
3: know but he doesn't wear any pants. That's the reason. Alan's <laughs> <laughs> a good friend. I can say whatever I want about him because he's my buddy.
1: <laughs> Michael, you've done a shit ton of voices. Where does Rosario rank on how often you're noticed for him? How often do people come up for you about it? Right
3: up there, right up there. You know, right up there with Duke from G.I. Joe and, and uh, some, of, you know, some of the Hanna-Barbera stuff. But I, I get a huge contingency of Raziel fans. Now, they, I think they're probably going to come up with bobbleheads eventually. I'm quite sure.
1: They <laughs> will I, have one.
2: Heads, I'm sure <laughs> they for bobbleheads
3: for, for porno actors.
2: <laughs> I'm actually surprised they haven't had a bobblehead for Kane the way that they've been hitting these yes. the video game franchises. I mean, I, it's only, you're right. It's only a matter of time.
3: I have, somebody gave me a cane. I have, um, obviously I have a Raziel statue or whatever, but I also have a cane one around here. Be- here it is, here it is, here it is. Somebody <laughs> gave this to me as a gift.
2: Dang. Wow. wow. Dude.
3: That's nice. <laughs> cool, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, I you know, and the thing is, that particular statue has a huge puffy place, which made me really angry because Raziel has nothing like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Simon, I think you'd be surprised if you put yourself out there. How many people love Kane? You'd get swamped.
4: Oh yeah, I think oh,
1: that's cool. Mm-hmm. And
4: they bring
3: you—they bring you a lot of their stuff to sign. They either have something they've pulled from the game, a photo, or or possibly this this character, the Legacy of Kane character. They have you sign it on the back. Ooh. So they have, it. and so you don't do anything. And I think. I mean I can't tell you what to charge you know I charge $2.56 but I'm sure you can get a lot more money than
5: that. (laughs) What's the most kind of like elaborate because I know a lot of your fans will bring you gifts as well besides that what's the most I guess elaborate gift that a fan has brought you since you've been doing the con circuit.
3: Well, Somebody wanted to do a tattoo on my naughty and I said no I'm not interested. I said you'll get as far as Raz, and that'll be it. I, I, I get animals. I get stuffed animals. I get stuffed characters. I get uh, I get Smurfs. I get stuffed things from Transformers. Drawings, paintings. It's uh, the, you know whatever poems. It's really it's really nice. I mean I I don't. I just I'm really pleased it's kind
2: of nice what about you Simon Have you been to a convention anything uh, like this come up to you sign my Claymore or anything like <laughs> that? No, I,
4: I, haven't, I haven't done any of the conventions but I I was doing something like it was like a theater thing once and uh, I got a message that the uh, the Dark Lord was outside and would love to meet me I thought well how can you turn down the Dark Lord so I um, but so that was that was a, a rather strange request Yeah, people love that game. I'm happy to be a part of it. It seems to be uh, part of people's adolescence or childhood.
2: It's one of those cult titles. I admit I never was able to play them. It was always on the transom. I remember the massive marketing campaign for Soul Reaver. The first time when Raziel came out and stuff. And I, Because it was during the Monday Night War. So, of course, it was nothing. But it was WCW, WWF, and people like me just constantly switching the channel. Flipping between them. And I just remember the advertising blitz that that game had. And so, yeah, y'all hit that right period with just media saturation. Like I said, during the Monday Night Wars, people my age and then our younger brothers. So, and so, yeah, you have two close generations there that just yeah. <laughs> pumped constantly nothing but Soul Reaver and the legacy of Kane the blood omen comes out and just so yeah there is a cult following you mentioned earlier about you know trying to boost your numbers up to the you know 300 or 350. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd be surprised just in a way that's kind of good because you want that cult status but i'm telling you it's a lot bigger i think than even you would realize do you think people are still playing it yes yeah, as a matter absolutely. of fact i'm fixing to start my first run on them as I said, I really? never actually officially played them, and which I kind of view as kind of a, a shameful, really, as much of a vampire nut as I am. But whatever was going on at the time in my life, I was just never able to pick up the series. But yes, I will be starting my first run through of the entire series as soon as I get done with my Ninja Gaiden run. So I'll actually be able to witness the story firsthand for the first time. But yeah, I'm sure there, are, dude, there are people that do everything all the time. You people are weird people are crazy you think of it they're doing it. but as yeah. far as video games oh yeah
5: uh, testify to that as well like I, I pop all five of those games in at least once every two years and i'll even go as far as as michael said or as you said go on youtube and just i'll listen to the audio of just the dialogue yeah and there's there's tons of comments so yes people play people still play these games still to this day
4: that's very cool amy must have really hit on something do you still do you keep in contact with amy michael not as much now as i did for a long
3: period after
4: that because me she, too she used to live down the road from me
3: yeah and just
4: we're, are you still down the road from you she's still there i don't think so i haven't seen her. i don't know what she's she's up to i think she's with a i can't remember which company she's she with is she with naughty dog or one of those i can't she, remember she,
3: she was with naughty dog i think she was and then she came up she did the show, which is now a movie. Uncharted,
4: right? Uncharted, right. That was... That yes. One. Right. And of course... Yeah, you know,
3: wow. Our director died. Our director passed away.
4: Yeah, that's so which, sad. Which was which was sad. You went back a long way, you guys, didn't you? Oh, for Hanna-Barbera days,
3: yeah. Gordon, dear Gordon. Yeah, we went back during the Hanna-Barbera days. I went to the... A big eulogy for him, a big thing at the big theater. Film. It was really lovely. It was really Dudamel ran the thing. It was really lovely. Oh
4: my gosh! Really yeah, awesome. he was Gordon was a great guy, wasn't he? Everybody loved Gordon.
3: Good director, you know. You listened to him. Yeah, it made sense and whatever. And he always wanted to uh, to please, as it were. And we had a, one hell of a cast. I thought the cast was extraordinary for that particular game.
2: Yeah, really good. I actually just played those for the first time. Not too long I think ago. I'm
4: in that. I think I'm in that. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I you Did she drug you and I, I think so. I think I was dancing around in the light with the light bulbs. Yes. Lap, you know? yes, That's
5: it. I, I do have a quick question for both of you, if you can. Wait, do you guys kind of read over some of the roles that you're offered and go like, ah? Eh. I don't think I'll do this. Or do you at least say, "Oh, okay, I'll do this."
3: I'll do anything. I'm a voice Me slut. too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just say yes. Oh yeah. We just, it just, just, I just. said, "My agent says we'd like you to yes." <laughs> that's it. Does it get I, me I, out of the house? We're not. People ask that question. I have you. Is there any roles you've turned down? I said, "Who do you think you're talking to?" <laughs> Excuse me. There's just no way. Yeah, I turned down Bone on the 4th of July. I said, give it to Tom Cruise. I don't do that shit.
2: (laughs) Now, you, Simon, I mean, all you have to do because of your accent, it's like you just sit around and think I'll have a glass of tea. And you're that's gonna it. get the job. That's I mean it. That's, that's yeah. it. It's something growing on my rectum, and you've got yeah, yeah, any yeah. job here for some reason. Like, and I tell you, just because it's because it's the accent, but you yeah. have a shoe in for any job from an American agency. If they say we got a job, you're a shoe in. <laughs>
4: if i lose the accent the jig is up so yeah i'm I'm holding on for dear life
1: simon didn't you just voice dracula recently uh i'm gonna tell you you did it according to your credit
4: dracula oh yeah it was kind of um, like a little side thing for somebody who's this guy up in canada nice guy irish guy i think he had a little project that he was doing, and this was all through COVID. He kind of reached out through Cameo, which Michael actually hooked me up with. Yeah. Um, and this guy got in contact with me through that. Super nice guy, so I think I think that's, uh, we, we did a couple of things, but it was, all very unofficial, but it was fun.
1: Michael, what have you been working on recently? Anything in the pipeline?
4: Just doing ADR for
3: Netflix, you know, foreign films. So I'm doing Korean films and uh, Norwegian films and whatever. And it's just work, you know, it's just fun work. It's, uh, and you're, you're by yourself, unfortunately. You don't get to work with other actors, which is always nice, which is so much better. People have said, remember when you did The Beast from whatever? And I have no idea what you're talking about. I <laughs> have no idea what series it was. I have no recollection of that. If you want me to write it I'll write, write out what the character said and I'll put it on the picture because I cannot remember any of that.
2: I recollection for you, you were responsible for a lot of trauma whenever I was a kid, mainly just because you were the start of a very uncomfortable sequence of events in the theater. Prowl, saying Transformers the movie, we had grown up in you know G one, and they were just it was kind of like GI Joe. They shoot at each other like cowboys and Indians. Just shoot at each other from ten feet apart, and never hit each other, and just you know, nobody dies. It just scrap each other. They punch over some Megatron's like I'll get you next time Out unless he flies off, <laughs> and you know everything's all fine and dandy in the theater. All of a sudden, things are different because Megatron says, you know, the Autobots will be vanquished forever. Next thing you know. They attack a space shuttle and everybody's busting up in there and Prowl stands up but then right before he does you've got heavy metal music in the background, Megatron screams die Autobots and the first thing that we see you getting shot through the freaking chest, that was Michael sort start like trauma that moment people in the theater my age I think I was like six was like he's gonna get up right so he's I mean, gonna be okay I
3: mean, right <laughs> this character they're talking about is equivalent to Bambi getting shot
2: <laughs> it was, <Okay>. dude that <laughs> was rough I mean and like, so anybody my age is sitting here listening to me laughing like Course, people that don't know, some guy, but geez what a nerd. But people my age are like, Oh, yeah, I remember I was there. That was just the beginning. But then G.I. Joe, the movie, you jumped in front of the snake arrow, almost died again. It's like, dude, what the hell, man? I got a feeling you're gonna ask me for an autograph when you come to see me. I might, I mean, I might, I I might have a VHS, a Transformers movie that I might ask you.
4: God. Oh, I have a question for Michael. Michael, what was your first job? Do you remember? Yes. Oh my God, how embarrassing. No, uh, no way. I'm
3: curious. I did a movie called Damaged Goods. It was in 16 millimeter. I made $100 a week. We did it in Banning, and in it, I get the clap. You're the guy who gets the clap. And then I play the doctor later on who warns you about having illicit sex before marriage. It is, and it became an underground film, literally. Damaged, damaged goods, it's cool. One of the worst films ever made. It should have been, it should have been, it should have been produced as slides. But, <laughs> but I was so thrilled to be working. I was an actor in Hollywood. And I, I recently saw it for some bizarre reason. It was on the internet on something, whatever it was. Yeah. And oh my God, I thought, somebody's never gonna hire that kid. Why would anybody (laughs) hire him to do anything? I see the young people today and the young actors today and how brilliant they are. And I thought, boy, was I lucky that somebody was willing to take a second shot at it. How did you get the gig? Do you remember? I went out on an interview. And I think my agent at that point was an old lady from Whittier who had a shopping bag and she recommended me. She'd carry on her shopping bag to the studios and I'd see her waddling in the studios, and she she took a chance at this. The largest thing on my body were my ears. I was was six foot two, and I was larger than anybody else in the cast, so I would bent over half the time trying to talk to people. It was the goofy thing. That was your first
4: job? First job. Were you born and raised in LA? No, 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 Ah. I'm a Brooklyn boy. Oh, are you? Yeah. So how did you get from Brooklyn to here? Just made it. Just
3: decided to go to Hollywood and become a movie star. Since Alan Ladd was a movie star, Humphrey Bogart was a movie star, William Holden, I could do that, you know. (laughs)
4: What was that so thing? that was it. You just you just stopped and moved to L.A. from Brooklyn.
3: That's it. Moved to L.A. from Brooklyn and didn't work till I was well into my 30s. I was 18. I went to the High School of Performing Arts in New York and I uh, figured, hey, I studied acting and I'm
4: obviously I'm ready. Were you not tempted to, you know, since you went to school in New York, did you ever think about Broadway or theater or any of that stuff there? But I
3: should have. I really should have, that was a love, but I, I really was tempted to be a movie star. I was tempted to come here and be on screen because I lived in the theater and lived in movies. Yeah. I, mean, I went to a lot of theater on Broadway and I, I, was, I thought it was extraordinary, but I lived in, in the movies We had, don't get, in those days when I was a youngster, we had double features. So I right, was away right. all day. I was locked away all day, and they didn't kick you out after the second feature. You could stay there as long as you could, you know, eat on, you know, eat as much candy as you possibly. Right. Can. Yeah. And what about you? You came here from, from
4: uh, across the pond, obviously. I did. I was doing a play, but I'm, yeah, I'm just curious. I mean, have you have you been back to Brooklyn much, or are you yeah. you never go back? I went back with my daughter. She wanted to see where Dad came from. And Where was it? Whereabouts in Brooklyn? 46th
3: Street and 10th Avenue, oh right in, in Brooklyn, yeah, in, in Borough Park. Yeah, Fort Hamilton. Wow. It was just, it's changed radically. It was kind of sad a little bit. but uh, I we, bet. You know, we visited Coney Island. It was in winter, but it was fascinating. Coney Island is winter. It's like an old actress. It's, you know, in, in, her, in her later days, you know, you see her sitting in her musty apartment. Watching our old films—that's what Coney Island was like. But it was fascinating. Now you've
4: been—you've been back to England, haven't you? Oh yeah, I do go back. Yes, I'm, yeah. Do you do I, my the- brother still lives there. Do you do theatre there? I haven't. I—you know—I—I I find it hard enough being in in one place. You know, uh, whereas to try and get gigs in, in two is just confusing to most people. But my wife has been working there on a couple of times, ironically. So I've gone back to to visit ros which has been very cool catching up with old friends and stuff but and that's you know that's changed immeasurably i'm very happy to be here
3: yeah do you ever get asked to do an american dialect
4: i'm asked (laughs) i try and they say can you do it in an american accent now i'm such i'm hopeless I'm such a one trick pony. I I (laughs) scream in an English accent, that's it. No, I've not cracked that. And I've been been here for like 30, 40 years. It's embarrassing, Mike.
3: I don't know, but it's so interesting because you guys, as a rule, the Brits do us better than we do. I mean, I saw Guys and Dolls on my honeymoon in England and I was flabbergasted at how wonderful the New York dialects were. I mean, just knocked on my back. And I said, I, and I was Really? Saying, I was cheering and I was applauding. And I said, Really?
4: Just, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I what think I nice. think you're just being nice. No. <laughs> I mean, Peter, how extreme oh, well, he was, he, Yeah, he was amazing.
3: Did you see Dames at Tea, that fabulous documentary with Judy Dench?
4: Oh, Judy Dench, and everybody?
3: Yes. Oh, God.
4: I mean, yeah, these wonderful.
3: I, I know they could do that. I know they could do American dialects, I and mean, they they've done it. I know you could do it if you worked at it. I know you could do it. I, I'm listen. If I can do an English dialect, and I and I and it's passable. I'm, in fact, I I convinced the Doors. Remember, does anybody remember the Doors?
5: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Jim Morrison. Yeah, yeah Jim no, Morrison. My, the band, I, right? Okay. I'm,
3: I was living up in Mulholland. I heard, he used to hear this music up above me. They were there they on a cliff right above me in a house. And I hear the House of the Rising Sun and all this music going on. And I thought they were playing a record. But in reality, it was them preparing. And one day, one of the guys came down into my backyard, lowered himself into my backyard. And I said, excuse me, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I'm looking for my cat. And I said, it's a little black cat. It's got one spots. And he says, yes. I said, oh, fuck me, I saw it. I said, I, it went up a tree. I think it's over in the, to the right of me. I'm not sure. I, I, it's got a long tail, right? And he said, yeah, do I know you? And I said, no, do I know you? And he said, where are you from? I said, Brookline. I said, Brookline, where's that? I said, Brookline, New York. I get out of my backyard. I said, oh God. What was oh, it? Oh my God, it was one of the doors. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, then, and then I, and then used my garbage. And they used, and they threw all their old tapes in my garbage and I should have kept it.
2: Oh my God.
3: I didn't know who they were. (coughs) I didn't know who they were. In fact, I was screaming when we landed on the moon and they were blasting music and I got out my backyard. I said, what the fuck is wrong with you? We're on the moon, shut up. And I went back in the house and they were playing one of that loud music. And then I found all their tapes in in my garbage. And I was really angry that they dumped their garbage in my garbage. And I thought, God, am I stupid? I look back and I went, I could have bought Johnny Depp's Island with just the sale of those
0: tapes. (laughs) Considering the
2: psychedelics that they were on, they probably already knew that they were on the moon at the time. What are you doing? We're on the moon. Yeah, man, I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you can,
3: Simon, I know you can do it. I know you can because what happens (laughs) is it opens up the door for you in voiceover because then they say can you do the german can you do the can you have to because they
4: owe them three voices so you can do the german <laughs> that's true voiceover. yeah <laughs> i just do faster and louder that's it it's and i I used to alter my hair but you know that doesn't really work for voiceover <laughs> oh, that's funny <laughs>
5: that's funny simon i have a question i know you got a passion for theater or if you had a or if you still do do you ever kind of get the itch to kind of just say I'm gonna go audition for this play and just do one on the whiff or do you just kind of sit back and watch and enjoy it
4: I haven't auditioned there's not that much theater here I used to do a lot of stuff for something called la theater works which is yes uh, which they do stuff out here and basically it's like a sort of staged reading of a play with an audience and that was always interesting you know because you You get a feel of how a play would work for an audience, but and you'd have the book in front of you, so it was very sort of low stress. We used to enjoy those. Yeah, never say never, but I I sort of think that most of that stuff,
5: I don't know, I think it still
4: goes out of New York, really. But And then I always have a plan for doing my one-man show, but it's never got beyond the planning stage.
5: I feel like that Uh, would literally be awesome. (laughs) A one-man show for you would be awesome. That'd
4: be cool. Well, thank you. I would go. I didn't. I see. I saw you in theater works. I went to a, a, a Yeah, you park. did That's right Yeah, we I remember Yeah, we did It was ages ago But yeah Yeah That was very nice to cup, It was I good thought. It was good It was wonderful It's that wonderful story Yeah, it was really cool Never say never uh, <laughs> Absolutely So what are you doing now? What What is going on with you now? What what can we see you in? I did something for Apple TV Which was shot in Mexico Which was kind of fun It was during COVID So it was You know, it was like The whole thing was in a bubble Yeah, that was That was interesting But I The whole COVID thing Has really kind of Shut things down For me, really I mean Because we were talking earlier about home recording studios and stuff like that, and I'm really not up to speed on all that.
3: You don't have to be. Look, you do what I do. I'm really bad with that. I don't have a clue with any of that. When something goes bad digitally or one of my things, I throw it away, and I get a new one because I can't be bothered. So what I do is I had them knock out an area in my office, and I have what is called a whisper booth. And I had somebody from one of the studios set it up, and it connects to my computer and I have the whatever thing that I do and I record and I, I, can, I can cut and slash and edit and then send it to my agent. And if I can do that, trust me, it was like brain surgery, but I got through it and now it's really easy. So oh, that's I'm, good. So, it's so easy. I don't do any of that stuff. My daughter will do it for me, but I, uh, I don't, I don't want to record at home. I don't want to record at home. If they say you have why to- Why not, have, Michael? Because it's, it's dreary it's really dreamy. I agree you know it's I want to I'll, I'll go to the studio yeah to the studio and even though it's by myself and there's, there's the screens and I've got the producer the director and I hear all the other actors in the other studios fine but I don't want to sit at home or and run into the whisper booth and start to record unless it's an audition auditions I'll do
4: right yeah I'm with you on that I think we're maybe it's a different you think it's like a different generation? I mean, I like sort of going out to work, you know. Me too. Getting in the car and... I also, I I remember doing something once for some guy in Spain and I did it on my little sponge box, you know, which is about as fancy as I get, in my closet. And it honestly, it took me longer to actually like type in the slate. Like this is, zaba, 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 page six, line 32 take one then I would do it and then it would t- I spent more time typing in and slating it like being my own engineer than I did doing the gig so yeah I love going into the studio and put headphones on and having somebody to do all that stuff for me how do you send in your auditions basically on my phone you yeah. know with a little sponge box but it's it's very sort of basic yeah you, no uh, con- I- you have no control over it not much no I mean you just I have to do it right, because I can't, I don't really like edit. I'm just not technically up to speed.
3: Neither am I, but this is so basic, you've got to trust me, it's really basic.
2: If you need some editing, some quick editing or whatever, send it my way. I'd be happy. I can clean out any pops or clicks that you have or whatever if it ever comes to that. I mean, Oh, you
4: guys are nice. Thank you. With you
2: you talking about, you know, just use your little sponge and your phone in the closet. I mean, I've recorded podcast episodes. (laughs) I've actually done some, I had to do some voice cues for some audio drama stuff. It's all about your recording equipment, you know. So if you don't have like the whisper booth like Michael has, the best place I could tell you to go is in your closet because that's where all your clothes are hanging and you could just, if you have closet especially but this open the door and aim your voice into the clothes.
1: All right, Simon. So last time you were here, you mentioned folks like Patrick Stewart that got you into theater in an earlier in age. So when you look back now, are there any other standouts that sort of inspired you to pursue acting?
4: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. I mean, I remember seeing when I was a young actor in England, Brian Cox, and he was always a, a hero of mine because mm-hmm. he's just like this powerhouse of an actor. He seems to be able to do it all, you know, stage and, movies even mcdonald's commercials he does
1: yeah he's um, the voice yeah
4: yeah he's uh, a phenomenal actor i think i saw him do i think it was titus Andronicus, shakespeare play and he was just he blew me away you know so yeah people like that and patrick is still amazing and ian mckellen just gets i mean gets better he did king lear and it, a phenomenal achievement and he's in his he had, had to be in his 70s then and his energy is just just so impressive so yeah those guys are still amazing
5: so to kind of piggyback off of justin's question it it, have the roles been reversed like do you have any up-and-coming voice actors or young actors that look to you for advice or for encouragement or inspiration
4: the whole Kane thing people seem to maybe because it was one of the the first of its kind if i'm not mistaken i think it you know, it had a, a big impression on a whole generation of actors. And uh, uh, my wife was doing a, a movie with a, a bunch of younger actors, you know, guys in their, like, 20s and 30s. And, yeah, I mean, they they all kind of knew me from, you know, Kane and stuff like that. So that, that was really nice, the fact that they had a kind of connection to mm-hmm. it.
2: So, Simon. What's one role? It doesn't matter. I mean, there's no wrong answer to this. What's the one role that, like, if you had an opportunity, what's one role you want to do?
4: All those kind of Dracula ones are always kind of interesting. And there seem to be so many permutations of Dracula from its its original, the Bram Stoker stuff, and the way it's morphed into all these other kind of creations. Um, that's always really interesting to me and then there's there's a bunch of short stories by an english writer called pg woodhouse and i've often thought that there'd be it would be a good to kind of work those up into some kind of project yeah and all all i mean all the those shakespeare parts always used to have a kind of a pull you know you know you'd always have a you want to try those on that would be top of my list dracula such a classic answer i love it
1: simon you just mentioned your wife how do your approaches differ if at all how would she approach a role compared to you is that different
4: she's believable
1: and i'm loud
4: basically (laughs) she's she's like a good good film and camera actor and I I realized when I was the actor growing up and training at a like drama school, I, we didn't really have any kind of like, there was no camera technique or anything like that, you know? There was a lot of, you know, standing up straight, shouting on stage. I mean, I really had no kind of camera training and I, I was, I never felt, I mean, my wife's really comfortable on a set and I'm, I'm sort of. I, I'm feeling a bit more comfortable on a set, you know, like, you know what people do and what their jobs are and everything. But it took me the longest time to just sort of feel at home on a set. I'd always, there just seemed to be so many like different technical things, which are beyond your control. And sometimes, I mean, if you have to think about those things, I mean, it's like what I was saying about being your own engineer. You can't really, well, I, I've i got a limited. Amount of kind of grey matter that I can focus on one thing, whereas if it's just you in the booth, it's it's great because it's all about just trying to get do something with your voice or whatever. And I used to feel that I think on stage that, that you have more control over, although it's also completely artificial. But the process of making a TV show or a movie, there is just there just seem to be so many different technical aspects which. Right. Uh, I used to find overwhelming and I mean you can see actors who are just so up to speed on their technical ability you know with cameras and stuff and you know they know where lights are the sound they know you know about crossing the line and all that stuff and just reducing it to something very small you know I was, I always admire that you know because you'd see them as you were doing it in the Uh, on this as you were doing it in the scene you know you'd think oh is that it you know and then you'd actually see the finished product and they were brilliant you know and I would like an idiot just think is that all they're gonna do you know so I was always constantly surprised by that I think but that's why it's interesting too because there's always something to learn, you know, you're always starting from scratch, which is good. The transition from theater to, to
3: screen was so interesting because we're, we're look, I was trained in theater like Simon was, I'm sure. You have to hit the back row. And then now all of a sudden you got this camera there. No, and when I started out in, because I used to do it on, a lot of on camera, I guess, starting a lot of TV shows in the early 70s and 80s, I think it was. And uh, uh, in the 70s, the lights were piercing. They've done so much so many different things with the lights it was so hot it was so penetrating that i literally had a hard time keeping my eyes open and i worked with lana turner who walked on the set i thought her eyeballs were going to burn out and she was open and big and doing her thing and i'm thinking i can barely keep my eyes open these lights are so hot and what was what were you doing with lana turner these guys are too
4: young to remember lana turner Oh, I remember Lana Turner. You You got me.
5: Yeah, you got me. I
3: did Survivors. I was under contract to Universal Studios. They finally decided, they said, well, let's get a couple of actors in here. We got a lot of handsome guys in here. Let's get these actors in here. Let's get a few actors in here. So they signed me, and I wound up doing a whole bunch of shows at Universal Studios with all these beautiful people. And then one day I'm on the set, and Lana Turner came on the set. By this time, she was probably in her late 60s or something. Right. glamorous. I mean, if you got too close, you could really see the age. And she walked over and she said, hi, I'm Lana Turner, who are you? And I went, "Uh, I'm Michael Bell. (laughs) Uh, Do we have any scenes together? And I said, I I don't think so. She said, well, I'll see you later. And then she walked away and I literally, if I was wearing the pens, I would have peed in them. I mean, it was Lana (laughs) Turner. I grew up on Lana Turner. I would have liked to have grown up on Lana Turner, but I grew up on Lana Turner. I mean, to work with, not that she was a great actress, but she was an icon. She's a Big, big movie star, right? oh, wonderful. Movie star, I mean, we're talking, yeah. major, you know, Green Dolphin Street, all those films of, good God, The Postman Rings Twice. If you guys think right. you've got some gorgeous women today, go watch The Postman Rings Twice and watch that entrance of Lana Turner and John Garfield literally pops out of his jeans staring at her it's just <laughs> extraordinary she, was, yeah. she she was breathtaking so I hear I'm getting this chance and I went oh my god Lana Turner and but uh, with the lights though in those days the lights were so piercing and and uh, and I watched the other actors as I started doing it and as Simon says they would just do the scene it was boring and I'm going that How's that gonna register? That is dull. And then you see it on screen and it was really good because they did something. They knew where that camera was. They knew exactly. I worked with Barbara Stanwyck. Oh my gosh. The big valley with Barbara Stanwyck. And she walked out and she says, Tara, she said, I that light. Like, get the get, get the bastard Amber, get the baby Fresnel, bring it over here, bring it. And I'm watching and she guided the whole evening. I mean, the whole day she was, she knew exactly what she was gonna do and she gets one take she knew uh-huh. lot, got on one take we're finished because she wanted to go home and she knew what she was doing babs
4: Amazing. extraordinary brilliant absolutely brilliant do you
3: remember the english actor louis hayworth no
4: Louis no hayworth,
3: I... wonderful english actor he he did all he did a lot of those uh, dueling films you know a lot of those kind of like they, like stuart did and you know, he did all those wonderful yeah uh-huh. and he was very fade but interesting and he did i did this i was doing the survivors and i was a bad guy and i'm sitting in the lobby and the audience will know when they see my face that i'm the killer and i'm reading a newspaper you can only see the newspaper and he walks across and as he walks across i lower the newspaper and the audience the camera zooms in on me, and they see that i'm going to kill him and he's one of the stars of the survivors here with. i walked over to him and i said uh, mr hayward i have to tell you I said I saw you uh, in a in a film. It was kind of like the Scarlet Pimpernel. I don't remember the name of it. You and Benny Barnes, and you played the dual character. He was sort of a fop, but yeah. he privately, da you know, put on the mask and the thing when he was out, and he was swashbuckling. And then, of course, he'd go back to being the fop next to Benny Barnes, who was the queen. So, and I said, and you did, you did the most wonderful thing when you would laugh. You go ha 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 with a fan. You go ha 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 ha, ha Your Majesty. Oh, like that, and I said it was the first Betty Davis impression I'd ever seen on film. Well, he fell on the floor. He laughed so hard. He said, "How old are you? You're a kid." And I said, "I'm, I'm movie movie buff." And he went, "Oh my God!" So now we're shooting the film, and he crosses along, and I have my newspaper, and I lower the newspaper, and I look over, so the camera's got a good shot of me, and he's in the wings, and he goes, "Ha ha ha!" Nice. <laughs> All I could do to hold on. All I could do to hold on and not break up. I mean, I went <laughs> very home- Very cool. My girlfriend, I went and said to my girlfriend, Louis Hayward. She went, oh my God, you met Louis Hayward. I worked with him. She's, oh my God. I said, and to me, he went, ha, 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 ha. And I will never forget that. Uh,
4: that's very <laughs> cool. I've got to Google him now, because I've got, yeah, I mean, the name's familiar, and I'm, I'm just trying to put a face to it. I have English. to Google. He was English, right. and did a
3: lot of those, and. One I, of those
4: character boys
3: lot of yeah, he, he was he was uh, an interesting actor He was interesting but again he was that film I forgot the name of the film but with Benny Barnes and it's a uh, it's a fun film it's like it's like early scarlet Pimpernel
4: but the movie you were doing was called the survivors it was a TV series with TV series George Hamilton oh my gosh uh, what was he like oh, pretty He was just a bit <laughs> pretty he was pretty.
3: I mean, I, I said uh, I said that uh he was funny when he did talk shows. He was very funny, very witty. And as soon as yeah, he got on screen, duller than mud.
4: Oh, <laughs> <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> so, I did meet him once and he was charming. He's charming, <laughs> he yeah.
3: charming, funny, witty, a raconteur of yeah. the whole thing. And yeah. on screen, <laughs> oh, no. dull. I think maybe I think maybe he sort of came about when he did his, uh, his, his Zorro kind of thing or vampire thing, whatever it was he did. Oh my
4: God! Yeah.
3: Quite, yeah. I was fortunate because I got to work with Kevin McCarthy and you know some really wonderful actors. doing that. And of course, I did a lot of stuff with Raymond Burr. Quite a few How people. exciting! Yeah, that was those were those were that was fun. I, as I said, I was a fan then. So I understand when the fans come over to me at the cons and say, oh my God, like, you know, the youngsters we got here, these kids we got here. (laughs) I grew up with you, but you guys never grew up, so that's totally different.
1: I got a question for you about M.A.S.H., because you've been into some classic TV shows. What are your memories of being on the set of M.A.S.H.?
3: M.A.S.H. came about, interestingly enough, through an actor friend. It's so rare. An actor voiceover friend of mine was at a baseball game with the producer of M.A.S.H. And the producer said at the time, we're running out of leading men. We're running out of guest stars. I mean, I've got all these guests. I, I don't know who to pluck. And he said, what about Michael Bell? And he went, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, uh, that's a good idea. Thank you. I didn't have to read for it. I didn't have to read for a lot of that stuff. They just wow. sent me a script. Here I am on the set of MASH with Alda and, and all the guys in Loretta. And uh, the director, it's the director's first shot, Simon. And he's directing the ass at him. And I keep saying, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm playing a bad guy but I'm not gonna play him bad. I'm not gonna go knock, knock, nah, you know, and twirl my mustache. He's a guy who's trying to survive. He's doing something that is not acceptable, but he's trying to survive. He's just a guy from Jersey, is what he is. And he's he's trying to make his way through, but I'm not gonna play him bad, even though he's considered bad by the other cast members. And this director I had seen in City Across the River years ago as a kid about the story of the Envoy Dukes. He played a character called Crazy. And he was so good and I was glad to meet him, but now I'm getting pissed because he's still, and I finally walked off the set and I said, you know, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna play it that way. And I walked off and I sat down and Alan came over and uh, I forgot who uh, the, the other actor who, who was starring and it came over and he said, oh, Michael. And he said, we were wondering how long it was gonna take you <laughs> before you got angry because Mike, he can't direct us. We're regulars. We know who we are. We've been doing this for several years. You're the only person you can direct because you're the guest. Oh, my
4: God, yeah, yeah. That must be one of the, I think that's one of the toughest jobs in television is being like the director for hire, especially on a a series like that when everybody knows what they're doing because they, you know, they know the characters inside out. You know, you don't get any kind of respect unless you're brilliant. I just think it's a really tough job. Oh yeah, um,
3: It has to be. It has to be. You can see it is. You can see they're all sweating because they're going from job to job. You think, right? Oh, they're driving yeah. right out in a in a limousine. No, these guys are making a living, just making a living, as it were. Unless they got, uh, you know, a running series, and it's a whole different story.
4: Yeah. So you were fresh meat, weren't you? You were like, so I was fresh meat. He was going
3: to make me play bad. You know, play really mean and evil. Yeah. I like, yeah, yeah. I learned the opposite at school. He played the opposite. Nobody plays bad. But Alan said, "You know, it's he's to direct somebody. Can't direct us. <laughs> tell us to do." It. Does that answer your question, Justin?
1: Yes. <laughs> so we can't have both of you here without mentioning the name Tony J.
4: I first worked with Tony in 1986, and we were doing. Nicholas Nickleby, which was this uh, thing in, uh, it was like a a nine hour play, basically. And Tony was in that, and he was was wonderful in it, and it was just good value on and off the set. He couldn't believe his first trip to Los Angeles, basically, because he thought how well actors were paid here, which was, very, very important to him. Um, so Tony stayed, as did I. We did the, uh, you know, the Blood Omen stuff together. That was, that was, it was so fun to see him again. The
3: voice of God. Good, strong voice. I, I have to tell you, I was asked to direct Peter Pan for uh, Fox, which I did. And uh, my, my Captain Hook was Tim Curry. Oh. Who was yeah, extraordinary. My chance to meet Tim and I had seen him obviously in in his Frankenstein mode, whatever. Yeah. Thought he was extraordinary. I said. I told him. I said when I met him. I said he looked like sort of a Joan Crawford. I said, he, I said when he came down that ramp as as the character. I said it was like music. Like, yeah. Yeah. I said he was yeah. extraordinary. So now I'm going to direct him, and uh, and I've got a whole cast of actors playing all the. I mean, I've got. Jason Marsden as Peter Pan. I got Debbie Derryberry as Tinkerbell. I got a whole slew of wonderful actors on camera and voiceover. And uh, we do our first day. Tony corners me and he says, I have to tell you something, Tim is playing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <like> Tony. <laughs> said, I'm not gonna get into it. He says, no, I'm, I'm a much better Captain Oak. I can do this much better. I said, Tony, you don't understand. It's cast. I I think Tim is doing an extraordinary job. I said, it's totally wrong. I had 80 shows to do. I went through eight shows. He kept cornering me. He would corner me in the men's room. (laughs) In the bathroom. He sat next to me next in the the pisswall. And he'd go, I have to tell you, I would be a much better, much better better.
0: He's totally wrong.
4: Uh, he says the quite far out loud, did not he? Oh, good God. He never, he just <laughs> yeah.
5: So did any? Did you three ever kind of get to hang out, like personally, like have a beer, have dinner, like one day after set, like just you three to shoot the breeze or what, any or whatnot?
3: No, I don't think so. No, so, we never. We didn't, did we? No, we just did our job and went on to another job. Didn't we did we... one, didn't we? Do one day when we were together doing it. You and yes, I, we were together. we were together on yeah uh, on the mic. But we never right. afterwards. We you know we 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 never everybody go out for a beer or something. It's yeah. It's it doesn't. A, it's not, like, it's not have, like theater. Theater they do that. Theater everybody yeah. goes to a place for drink and they sit around at Joe Allen's and they they schmooze and they talk about what they did wrong when they went up and all the rest of that stuff. But not us. We we
4: do. It's. It's wonderful, but it's it's a little colder. Yeah, get on the 405 as quickly as you can. Right? <laughs> huh? Yeah.
3: Yes, I'm not going to beer. I got to get on the 405. <laughs> yeah, traffic's bad. Traffic's bad. It was work. Yes, we had a wonderful time. at Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. No, Tony was great. Tony was he was such a. A present. He uh, introduced. He had a wife and little
4: kid, and then he got married again. I think, or he got That's married. That's right. A little kid. The the kid married, the
3: other little kid. Got married. Another little
4: kid. In England, he was known as the voice of Martini. He had this gig where he was this commercial, and it was Martini Rosso. Try a mm-hmm. taste of Martini, and Tony was the sort of the the dark brown voice at the in that commercial but it, he I mean he used to smoke about three packs a day and I that that also gave him a bit of the basso profundo didn't it I mean mm. I, think I think that helped that'll do it didn't
3: uh, Richard Burton have a small voice and they said he said when he was young he would go out to the moors or something and and wherever he wherever he was and he would scream and yell at the top of his voice to 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 give his voice strength to give it some power it was something I, I to about. Really?
4: Yeah, maybe because that was an amazing voice too, wasn't it? Wonderful, strong, cuts. Yeah. Through,
3: beautiful cuts. Yeah. There are some wonderful. Vo- it's very funny. I had. I have to tell you this. And one of the cons, they have a panel, and I had a lot of people in this particular panel, which is rare. Usually it's not twelve, but thirteen people because they want to be down there where all the businesses and stuff is going on. There's a yeah. huge Crowd of people, and I, I constantly had people say, "Hi, I have a great." I'm told I have a great voice i'd like to do voiceovers and finally it kind of kind of hit me at one point and some guy raised his hand he said uh hi i'm told i have a great voice and i can do voiceovers and i said yes you know having a great voice without an acting background is like having a 12 inch dick that doesn't get hard everybody (laughs) broke up screaming kids in the back i didn't see the kids well everybody was hysterical I said, you've got to, and I went right on. You've got to train. You've got to study. You've got to work. You've got to be an actor. Just doing a voice is not enough. And of course, I started out with that. It, it went on YouTube. That was everywhere. I would go to concerts <laughs> after that. People walk over and go, 12 inches, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful what you say.
1: Oh, yeah. Everything's <laughs> recorded now. Everything is recorded. So, so if you two had complete creative control over a project where you guys reunited what do you think that would be what would you guys want to do maybe a play i would i would listen
3: there's a muscle memory involved i'm, I'm not sure i have the muscle memory to do a play anymore but i would love to do a play with simon there's yeah it'd be a, fun wouldn't it michael yeah wonderful play called ladies of the camellias when these two great great theater whitley ladies meet for the first time they are both killers. It's a great play. It's, it's, a, it's a true story and it's just wonderful. And it would be ideal. It was something you would love to do.
4: I would love All to. All right, do. we'll do that. Okay. So
3: Ladies of the Comedians, it's a fabulous play. If you get a chance to pick it up, read it. It's really delightful. Right. I, I try to get theatre works to do it, but she never bowed to it.
4: But it would be a right. wonderful theater works piece. As
1: well. What about you, Simon? What do you think?
4: I don't know. I think we should resurrect the whole Blood Omen, Cain, Raziel nonsense, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> I'm down. We could, we could do the musical, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah. Don't take my wings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I'd be front row for that.
2: <laughs>
4: You'd be the only one.
2: I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, there'd, there'd be at least three of them. <laughs> there'd be three of you in the
4: front row. Yes. It'd have to be punk rock, though, wouldn't it, Mike? It'd oh yeah.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> be, just the outfit alone, it would be. It would be like what is it? Something's angry inch. It would be something. Rosie oh,
4: Hedwig and in the. Ad, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not
1: touching that. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, we don't want to keep you all evening, so I guess just to wind down here, have uh, either of you seen any films recently that have moved you?
4: The Lighthouse, I loved. I don't know if you've seen that, which is Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah. yeah, And yeah. Uh, Robert Pattinson. I think it's brilliant. I love that movie. And there was another movie I like called Passing. Both movies are both in black and white. I guess I like black and white movies.
0: Lighthouse um, is
4: great. Yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? Very mm-hmm. moody and atmospheric, and those. Performances are so good. I'm curious to see Lighthouse. I I, I, I
3: saw Passing. I, I I had difficulty with it because the actress we knew um, the writer
4: Ruth Neger and Tessa Thompson. We the I, she she she
3: did not look like she was passing to me. She looked black. She didn't. Right. I, and I kept getting taken out of it. I kept saying no. It's it's just they can do all the makeup they want. It's just wrong. It just didn't look right to me. And I know, what's her name, uh, Who um, Rebecca, who wrote it. Rebecca, and, Hall, Rebecca Hall directed it. Yeah, we, we met her when she was doing Broadway. She was doing a play on Broadway, and my, and my daughter was in the play with her. And so we got a chance to meet her. We learned later on that, of course, her mom, I believe, was black or was partially black or something. I don't know what the mix was. But, and her dad, of course, was a big, major, major English director.
4: Peter Hall, yeah, yeah. So she
3: wrote this piece because it was part of her life and I thought it was very interesting the concept but i did not feel that it was real to me because i did not see an actress who who didn't look she looked black to me and that was part of the um review as i recall in fact right. it, god it was awful one of the critics was uh, indeed a black female critic and she just lambasted it she just dive right into it and she said, you know, huh? I mean, it was really very, really, very funny the way she wrote it. I lost it because of that. I had difficulty. I thought it was well done. The black and white was very smart. Very, very smart. Right. And it was a well directed film. I just kept getting out of it. I couldn't say, why doesn't anybody see that? And they did, obviously in terms of the review. That's pretty much the reviews were like in that direction. Right. I like Coda very much. I thought Coda was a very warm film, very beautiful. I cried. They got me to cry.
4: Oh.
1: I haven't Cote, seen that one.
3: It's, it's a it's a beautiful film. Is a, it's really a warm film. I didn't expect to like it, Frank. Uh, it, it, it sounded too Hallmark Hall of Fame to me. Uh, mm. But uh, I did like it. I did. I was moved by it. The Irish film, Belfast. Kenneth Branagh's film.
4: Yeah, Belfast. I, yeah.
3: I loved Belfast. I thought it was beautifully, beautifully done. Beautifully done. Most of the most of the films. Listen, I'm a big fan of Slam Bang. I'm a big vampire fan. Mm. I love vampire films.
1: Favorite vampire Uh, movie?
3: Favorite? It was beautiful. What was it? Beautiful Creatures? What is it? Perfect Creatures? Beautiful Uh,
2: Creatures. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That guy.
3: The English actor started it with, um, oh God, what the hell's her name? It's a fabulous film. Fabulous vampire film. It's not obvious, but it's beautifully done where they have to be their perfect creatures, the vampires. It's really beautifully done.
1: I'm Googling.
3: Beautiful creatures. Is it Beautiful Creatures? Yeah. Wow! it's whatever, whatever. It was, I thought it was extraordinary. I love that kind of film. I, I w- would love to be in a film like that. If I had to be in it, if I, if I really wanted to spend my day in a honey wagon, waiting to get be the last shot of the day Jew, I would, that's uh, what I sort of used to refer to myself <laughs> at Universal. i there I all right, Mike, you're up, because they have all the beautiful people first, Simon. they have all the yeah. beautiful track players. would have their early morning shots when everything was fresh and dewy. And I'm sitting, even though I have a large role, I'm sitting in that damn honey wagon, and you can feel the makeup literally <laughs> dripping off of me. And then I get on the set and they powder me, they down and said, Okay, we only have an hour. And I'd get up in front of the cast and get in front of the crew and say, Okay, last shot of the day, Jew. Let's give it a shot. <laughs>
0: give it a
1: Marcus Daniel, you got anything for the gentleman before we cut him loose? Yeah, this has just been entertaining. I'm just
2: listening. <laughs> this has just been great
1: just to listen. To yeah, you. we've been spectators today. Yeah, you talk
2: normally, too much, Michael. No, this this is all no. Normally. Yeah, we have questions or something. No, this, I've just been listening and enjoying it. I'm, <laughs> we're good. good. Well,
3: I'm going to try to – listen, if you see Simon at a con, it's my fault. I just feel terrible. I feel terrible if you get on a plane, get COVID, and come back and die. <laughs> <laughs> I killed Simon.
2: for <laughs> It was Michael Bell. I, <laughs> well, here's hoping that I see you both in August. How about that, whenever you come to Augusta? Well, All right. Augusta. sounds good.
3: It's a Joe and uh and as I said, there's there's a there are game cons and stuff and people that do you know and I'll probably be there with Oppenheimer I, I, we travel together. I, I have to carry him from one airport to another.
4: <laughs> Excellent. Gentlemen, good to, good to see to you time. all. Good to thank see you too, so Sam. much. Daniel
3: Marcus just thank you for a good time. Thank you, man. Yeah.
2: It's been a pleasure. Take
3: care. Yeah, take care, guys.
1: You guys have Stay a great open. night.
3: Welcome to the night. You think you know night demon?